What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 99.2. And we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of Dead Space 3. The Nightmare Before Christmas episode. That has ended just before Christmas. It legit ended just before Christmas. In fact, Matt and I finished this game roughly five minutes ago. (laughs) So it's fresh in our mind. It is fresh on our mind. At the same time, I don't know what to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely left with more questions in many different areas than I am answers. Some on design decisions, some on the world, some on the game and what we even just did. So I I don't know. There's, I I feel like I need to watch a documentary on Dead Space 3 to really understand all the decisions that went into it. Right. Well, last we left off, we were trapped in this cage despite of all our rage. And, um, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> like, I, I shouldn't even done that, but, um, at least it wasn't rusty. I made that joke before. <laughs> I don't think I did it on the show, <laughs> but Matt has heard me reference both the smashing pumpkins <laughs> and, um, uh, sound garden. Or Audio Slave? Uh, I'm not sure. Rusty Cage. Must be Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Yeah, Soundgarden. Okay. Couldn't remember. Chris Cornell. Anyway. R.I.P. Rest in peace indeed, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, we're stuck in this uh, cage... Um, the uh, captain guy who is, Norton? yeah, Norton has taken the, the crew, uh, with him and basically left Isaac sick of Isaac's shenanigans and, uh, left him locked up him and Carver. Well, we break out and now we're trying to find them. Well, it doesn't take long to find them. Um, we run outside and. Well, uh, Norton's went nuts. Uh, on top of that, uh, the bad guys have showed up. What, what is this guy's name again? Danick. Canick. Danick. 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 He's the leader of kind of this whole cult set of bad guys. Yeah, trying to do something nefarious on Tavolantis. Yes. So uh, they're there. They show up. Um, and, uh, well, eventually, (laughs) Norton gets killed, (laughs) and Matt did it. (laughs) So he's got a gun on us, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what he's demanding from us. I can't remember. Which just goes to show you how good the story is in Dead Space 3. Yeah, unfortunately. But he's, he was he, getting a bit crazy. He was going to shoot us. Yeah. For sure. He's went nuts. 
um, the the bad guys, so the the, the cult people had everybody kind of hostage, and um, well, it was it was us two and Norton, and we ended up killing the bad guys that had us held hostage, and then Norton decides he's going to hold a gun on Isaac, and he's like, "I'm done with this," and Isaac, the player who is playing as Isaac gets a button prompt and you have to you have to pull it I guess I'm assuming yeah I think so and you kill Norton and I assume I, if you don't he just shoots you in the head I would that's what I would assume too your partner is dead and then you have to reload your save which, Seen that a couple which times. may or may not be <laughs> right there at that cutscene or it may be 30 minutes ago yep as we found out but uh yeah so now that Norton's dead, we have to go break the news to Ellie that hey, your ex-boyfriend just killed your current boyfriend. But nothing personal and not out of jealousy. Yeah, trust trust us. I, I promise. He, he was crazy. He was a raving lunatic. He was going to shoot us. So, and everybody has a little crisis. That's left in the crew. But, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know what we're doing next. The ne- I, I guess the next thing we do is try to reassemble the Codex. Yeah, well, reassemble this... Uh, I think we're trying, to, we're trying to get access to the Codex, right? So we need to reassemble Rosetta. Yes. And that, you know, to its credit, that actually does drive most of the rest of the game, right? There's the, at least the next three levels or so, plus... The, the next probably four hours of the game, yeah. Yeah, it's all about what we have to do. You know, you have kind of that central semicircular hub area, and then you're, you're kind of constantly going off on missions and coming back to it and collecting pieces and coming back, so... It's kind of what I wish the game would have done a little more of, except that I wish that there was less backtracking. You know, it, yeah. at least it, at least ostensibly, when you get to the section, there's an overarching goal, and that you know supersedes the the minute to minute, room to room goals. Sure. And man, so and it, I should mention. It's part of this this base that is like, I guess it's biology, ecology, geology, geology, all the earth and life studies. And uh, do you have it in the background? Because I, I think I can still hear the music in the background. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I can totally hear the 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 main theme, which plays on a loop over and over and over again. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, and it's just us going and getting these samples. Yeah, we're we're, we're trying to assemble this Rosetta, and it's it's basically cutting across sections, right? And there's what maybe eight of them, nine of them. Uh, it looks like about eight, maybe. And then we there's what three or four missing, so we need to go throughout this facility, collect those samples, and then reassemble Rosetta. But in addition to doing that, there's all kinds of like 
sub-crises where the gas pump is offline and there's other things that we need to do and activate certain parts of the facility in order to get access to the the slices of the Rosetta that we need. Yeah. On top of that, Carver has a couple of episodes here. Um, and we decided to do... We did two side missions, right? Throughout this? Uh, I think we did at least three because we did one earlier on but we already talked about that one right yeah 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 i think we only did two from here out yeah um so yeah uh we do another one of carver side missions where he's hallucinating this one gosh so we're seeing more toy stuff presents and stuff like that but um carver will go into another, like, state in his head. According to Matt, Carver was just standing there kind of convulsing. Yeah, kind of freaking out a little bit. Yeah. But but definitely not moving, just having a, having an episode. And me playing as Carver, I ended up having to go through this strange, like, little island, floating island. Uh, covered with like presents and toys and and past memories and stuff like that. And for the life of me, I could I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. There was tons of enemies coming at me, and finally figured it out. I got to shoot this marker that is on this island. Now the first two times this happens, it's not that difficult. The last time that marker takes a million friggin' hits, and I'm talking, I'm shooting this thing with a shotgun and rocket. So, one thing I do want to mention, I don't know if I put it on the last episode or not, I have a shotgun that is fully maxed out for damage, has a decent reload speed, bottom attachment is a rocket launcher. I can hold two rockets, I also have the, um, I don't know what it's called, the mod that I don't take damage from my own explosives, so... Let them come. There is still one dwarf that draws breath in Moria. And I let them get right up on me. And I shoot rockets directly at my feet. And, well, that just... They call me the cleanup man. Yeah, that was a pretty potent combo for sure. Yes, it was. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I'm unlocking all these new weapons, but I do not care. (laughs) Who needs all these new weapons when you have a rocket launcher? So, yeah. Uh, rocket launcher and shotgun is not a good combination when you're fighting enemies with guns. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a really solid... I, I was using the Planet Cracker throughout the whole game, and I ended up using the... the essentially the double line gun. So yeah. both the top and the bottom were line guns to double my ammo. And that was really good, you know, with upgraded damage and upgraded precision. It was really good on those sections where we had enemies shooting at us with guns. But I never found a great complementary weapon. I, I, I guess maybe I should have just copied what you had. But, you know, I, I kept trying. I, I had a, I had Mjolnir, which was a, like a chain lightning gun. Uh, I ended the game with a, a rivet-based shotgun with a sweeping kind of sword as the the secondary function which was cool in theory but 
I never, I never felt like it was doing as much damage as a shotgun should. Maybe that, maybe the enemies were just getting harder, but it seemed like a lot of those enemies were taking maybe four full shot, four or five shotgun blasts to bring down. They, they definitely were. And I had a shotgun with max damage. Was it still taking you multiple hits to take them down? Yes. Okay, so maybe, now, maybe I would knock them down. Like if I shot them, they would yeah. fall down. But I still shot them at least three more times while they were on the ground. Yeah, because I, I like that gun at the end because it was, you know, it was the I guess one of the alternative shotguns. Maybe there's more. Um, I didn't I didn't use a ton of the melee side of it, although I did when we fought larger enemies. But then also all the bullets had did flame damage as well, so it's kind of nice to shotgun the enemy and then have the obvious visual effect and hopefully extra damage that comes with them bursting into flames when you shoot them. That that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it also does, like, tick damage. Yep. So. It was definitely a step up from the the chain lightning gun and also the, the force gun that I was using for a little while. Yeah, that force gun was not impressive. Maybe in multiplayer, in co-op, it it could have found value in keeping them off of us, right? When we fight the little guys, they tend to swarm us. So yeah. as a way to blast them back, I mean, there, there's potentially situational value there, but... You know, just overall, it doesn't doesn't do much damage, no. if any. I think it did some damage, but not much. Yeah. But but that's kind of the beauty of that part of the game, at least. There was a lot of opportunity to experiment with different piece combos and new guns. Yeah. I mean, there there were points at the end of the game where I had fifteen different guns I could make if I wanted to experiment. No, oh, yeah, me too. That's that's pretty cool. But um. Yeah, um, but during the uh, the crazy episodes that uh, Carver was having, it was obviously that the 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 markers were using his dead wife and child as a way to get him to come to, you know, being with the marker. Yeah, I, I like the first real time that we did that, and <laughs> and the whole mission just ends with. Hey, we just been standing in this elevator for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> why didn't Isaac say something before then? Dude. How many minutes do you stand silent with somebody before you say, "Hey, what's going on here?" Yeah. But uh, yeah, we did that side mission. We did the side mission with the barracks. Um, which was mainly just go through here and get a chest at the end that has a good amount of like upgrades. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's going in between the, getting the, um, the sections of Rosetta. And then we have to assemble Rosetta. Yep. Um, which turns out Rosetta's an alien. Yeah. Which I kind of figured... But, uh, well, it's interesting, yeah. I mean, I guess we kind of figured that, but also the aliens on this planet, as we as we soon learn, didn't have anything to do with the construction of the markers. I mean, we, they, find, we find that out as soon as we assemble Rosetta. Yeah. They're just, they're just hapless bystanders like we are. And throughout the galaxy, universe at this point, right, these markers keep popping up and decimating civilizations due to... 
necromorph infections, but the same thing happened on this planet. Yeah, it's like the um, what was the the uh, the guys from Mass Effect, the ones that were years and years and years old. You get one in your party, Mass Effect Three, Prometheans. Yeah, I know what you mean. Is that yeah. the right? Is that what they called them? I think I can't remember. But it's like it's like them. They they they've done this all before. Years and years and years Protheans? ago. Protheans? Protheans, Protheans. Yeah. Yeah. And they and were all wiped out. That's To me, that grows to be a bigger and bigger point of comparison for this game is Mass Effect. Because when you get big revelations in Mass Effect, they are awe-inspiring. Here, we've just discovered an alien species for the very first time, is my understanding, and it's never even mentioned. It's it's weird. It reminds me of the the problem I had with the beginning of Mass Effect Andromeda, where you know we make first contact for the first time as a species, and then within minutes we're just shooting them with guns, space guns, and there's no. It, it just lacks that sense of awe. Like this is a defining moment in our history, and it, nobody seems to care. Granted, there are bigger things going on, but it's not even mentioned as as a side comment, and it just. It comes off as almost like they didn't realize it, or or didn't like didn't think about it in that perspective, especially yeah. in Andromeda. But I mean, th- this is something that warrants a minute of reflection, definitely. Yeah. So, as we are assembling Rosetta, we realize, oh, there is this machine that they're using. To stop the markers, but the marker isn't actually, or the marker home base isn't actually on this planet. It's the moon going around this planet. Yeah, and that's that's another one of my questions. I'm not sure if that's the origin of the markers or not. They just say the moon is a giant necromorph. I mean... Sure. So, uh, I, unless we missed it, because I feel like most of this story is doled out in about three 30-second segments at the end of this game. Yeah. And so, I don't really understand. I know we were going here. I know we thought it was the Marker Homeworld. I know we get some semi-cool twists there, but I don't know what the end result of all that effort is. Whether we've actually stopped anything or whether we would have to wait for a hypothetical Dead Space 4 to figure that out. Well, I don't think we're ever going to find out, Matt, unfortunately. That's, uh, that's sad, because I do I do like the world, and they do hint at a lot more kind of behind the scenes and, you know, revealing what's actually going on in the universe. They hinted a lot of that in this game, but they don't necessarily directly address it. Or if they do, it's only in passing. Yeah. So, um, uh, as we are seeing through the eyes of Isaac, him with the realization that the moon is where is where we need to focus our sights. Um, as he is coming out of this vision of his, Danik is there with his men, and they have taken 
Carver and Ellie hostage. I should mention, we skipped ahead. There is one other thing. The crazy lady that was real overly enthusiastic about all this necromorph stuff. Uh, she dies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the um, Danix men uh, start attacking us along with um, another one of those giant. It was the spider, wasn't it? The spider. Did we finally ki- we finally killed it? This go around. E- well, yeah, we finally killed it when we had to harpoon it, right, and, and rip it apart. Yes, yes. Um, which, to be fair, one of the things I think this game does is those kind of big end of chapter. I think we mentioned this last time, but you know, the, there's the kill rooms, but then there's the chapter ending kill rooms or boss fights, and those at least certainly do amp up the in- intensity and the difficulty a bit. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I never. They, they they could be a bit frustrating at times, but I don't think that it was ever necessarily the game's fault. It was a lot of uh, you know, we just didn't didn't do this right. You know, sometimes maybe they didn't tell us when this evil mist is chasing us. But uh, aside yeah. from that, you know, for the most for the most part, I think that those those kill rooms feel like a, a fitting end to to each chapter. Yeah, at least something. But. Uh... Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. Uh, the the perpetual storm that's chasing us. It must be the storm that's uh, it's the wind from The Witcher Three. Yeah, and alone in the dark, chasing after us. <laughs> <laughs> it's picked up enough speed to where it just tears you to shreds if it catches you <laughs> instantly. But uh... <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, so the 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 we're getting we're going up a elevator. Sh- oh, no, we 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 get separated. Ellie and the other lady are getting. See, that's the thing. I don't even care about these people because they they don't. I don't even know their names. Um, but um, they're going up an elevator, and the necromorph traps the elevator. Ellie jumps off, and Isaac's reaching for. The other lady, and well, he freezes, and then Carver's yelling at him. We ain't got time for this. We got to go, and pff, dead. And th- this one actually stays dead. Yes, this one actually stays dead, uh, which we allude to right now. I say that to say this. Um, going back to after we have found this new alien, we call Rosetta. Uh, put it back together, and now we have the codex. Well, now we don't. Danik has the codex, and he's run off with it. And he has, quote-unquote, set the room on fire using this gas that if it touches you, you just burst into flames. Yep. Uh... And uh, we died a couple of times here because we couldn't figure out where to go. <laughs> um, but eventually make it to the elevator. And um, Ellie's like, I'll be right behind you. I got to do one thing. And she didn't have enough time. Yep. She gets halfway to us. Yep. She's, and she's, then the, the flames flare up and she can't get to us. She can't get to us. And we 
we leave without her. Isaac is devastated. Carver tries to give him a pep talk of like, look, we know what the mission is. We got to finish this mission. And we're going to chase down Danik, who has the codex. And we're going to kill him and take it from him. And at this point, we've already learned a couple of the twists, right? About the planet, about the machine that the that the codex is used on. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I guess. I can't remember. Because I, you know, the, I know they do dole it out in a couple of pieces, but you know, certainly as because I think we need that because that's what sets up Danik's logic, if you if you will. Right, the whole the whole reason he's after this machine is because, as part of the unitologist group, they're worshiping the marker. The marker's telling them to turn it off, and the so his whole goal is to shut down this machine. Yeah, and so he needs the codex to shut down the machine. We finally find out that the machine basically has frozen the planet completely. So all these, you know, wintry levels we've been going through is because the planet's frozen and that's because this machine's been turned on and it was essentially to freeze the planet to stop the infection and to stop the progression of the infection yeah so uh yeah so begins the chase which is basically traveling down this mountain while chasing after a elevator Because that's where the machine is, is inside the planet. Yeah. Although it's not terribly far down. No. Not like in the middle of the planet, but just underground. And that's when uh, we start, uh, once we go underground, we start seeing a lot of the alien technology. Um, now, at the same time, it's revealed that... oh. Ellie actually isn't dead. Danik has her. She was able to escape that room. Somehow. Yeah. We couldn't do it. <laughs> and somehow ran back into Danik and got kidnapped. Um, And Danik's like, okay, you want her? Come on and get her. Yeah, I, I like that. He's like, I, I don't need to come after you. I know you're coming to the machine. And I'll be waiting for you. Yeah. Because we get the Codex back. By a confusing way. We're going down these these scaffoldings, right? And we're having to place these little miniature bombs and blow stuff up. Now this dude, Danik, he's way down there. And for some odd reason, we blow up something. And then all of a sudden, we're falling and we land right on top of him. You remember that? That happened like an hour ago. Yeah, I, 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 we must have missed something. I don't understand. Yeah, we're chasing, we're chasing, we're chasing. It's like that scene in Monty Python, right? We're chasing. We're so far away. We're so far away, and then all of a sudden, we're there on top of him. That's the perfect analogy. Yeah. And, and why? Because the the machine is 
off, right? It can't be turned on without the codex. Why don't we just destroy the codex? I don't know. Because the, the whole thing, the whole fate of humanity rests on this machine not being activated, and we're bringing the key to activate it directly to it. I'm getting flashbacks of Alone in the Dark. I mean, I, I know we want to save Ellie, but maybe do that without bringing the codex right to the evil mastermind yep. where he needs to activate the machine. Well, like, at the keyhole. Yep. So, going through this alien temple, I would say temple. Yep, definitely a, is an alien temple. There's a few, um, like, puzzles we have to solve here, like moving certain things to fit a picture. Um, there's also, we're introduced to super kinesis and super stasis by standing on these platforms they supercharge us so yep. we're, and, we're able to and rip I think that's limbs a nice, off a nice upgrade for this part of the game right because you know you, you can tell it's the end game it's it's a little bit it's kind of impressive that you've got all this new architecture you've discovered this whole new alien society that lived on this planet you know and it's they're clearly gone and dead but they're they're there, in essence, and their bodies are strung up everywhere, or statues of what they looked like, at yeah. least. Um, you know, and, it, and it's kind of cool that you're able to, to you know, to kind of level up some of these abilities. Although, who, who created the stasis and the kinesis, and why, why would it, why would it, work with the alien technology i do not know right if we developed it independent because we didn't even know these aliens existed it's surprising that they would have built (laughs) super kinesis pads (laughs) it's true i mean it's fine from a game perspective but i don't understand it i mean you're using logic in dead space 3 where i feel like there is no logic I don't... Uh, I'll save it. I'll save it. Let's let's get through the story first. Yeah, I did, I did like the back half of this game, though. From a visual perspective. Yeah, I think this game still looks pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah, technically, but I also just mean, like, the... You know, the fact that we've now discovered this alien temple and we're seeing all these things that were clearly built by aliens they clearly look way different than all the ships and the corridors that we've been on in the last two games it does feel like a precursor a protean or you know it it, it feels properly different and historic i think yeah and you have the the um <laughs> i said stargate and then i changed it to yeah. fargate <laughs> uh where you get zipped through space and time it looks like but <laughs> yeah you travel to another area of the temple we have to do that like four times um but uh yeah it all leads up to basically we're activating the temple and we are now taking the codex to Danik who has Ellie and he is right there at the the keyhole. So, 
he's like, all right, give me the codex. I'll let her go. And Isaac's like, nope, not going to do it. And now Carver is like, dude, you got a second chance with Ellie here. Let's not blow this. And Isaac's like, nope, I'm done. I am done with this. I'm ending it. Carver then takes the codex, throws it to Danik. Danik lets go of Ellie, and then he activates the codex. Shocker. Yep. Since we just gave him the key, brought it directly to him. At that point, I was thinking, you have about a three-second window to shoot him. You also have you yeah, you have the ability to slow somebody down. But no, we let him we let him activate it. And that's when all hell breaks loose. Uh the first thing that happens is he's reveling in his victory and a giant marker comes out of the sky and just slams directly into him, impaling him. Yeah, and, as he's getting excited for this new future that he's trying to build. Yeah. And so, Where, uh, because basically his desire, and I, I don't know that there's any rationale for it other than that the unitologists are just kind of crazy, is that he wants the necromorphs unleashed. I mean, that's just kind of a common theme of the bad guys in these games, right? Is yeah. that they just want necromorphs to be unleashed because they just see that as a superior form in the next stage of human evolution. Yeah, they all want to become one with it. So yeah, he's yeah. not see it. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, and that's when the the moon activates, which is another thing that I thought was a little confusing because I thought that the you know in the thirty seconds of history that they gave us, I thought that this machine froze the planet to stop what what they call the convergence from happening. If it took freezing a planet to do that, how did it? recommence within seconds the planet's still frozen nothing has really changed I mean I would have assumed the planet would have had to thaw for the convergence to re-begin but I have no idea unless those two things are unrelated I'm just I'm just a little confused by the logic at the end of this game well we're almost done. So, Isaac tells Ellie, look, there's a shuttle. Get on the shuttle and leave. Go back to Earth. Earth space, I should say. Go back to Earth space. And we're going to finish this. We're going to go... Find yourself a new... Yeah. So, we're going to go finish this. Carver, He's he's already... You know, it's like, let's do this. And so, Ellie goes off, Isaac and Carver decide to carry on. So, we make it to, we have to make it to the moon. Yeah, the the moon has come alive because it is a giant necromorph. Yes, the moon has come alive and it has taken the activation with the codex and has moved it next to it. So we have to take the the far gate and <laughs> zip to the moon. And with with no helmet on. Yeah, with no helmet on. And also 
um, you try to dodge floating debris very badly. Both of us. Yep. Um, but making it there, this is like basically running the gauntlet. So when we get there, as I mentioned earlier, there is a storm that is slowly making its way toward us. But we're also having to fight things at the same time. We're also very wounded and we're looking for health packs. Now, how many times did you get chopped up by the storm, Matt? Because I think it was at least five times. Yeah, I was going to say at least a good four or five times. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out what was going on because we were just, you know, we, we had a fight. All right, let me heal. Let me reload all this other stuff. Let me look around, see if there's any healing items. And all of a sudden, Matt would turn into giblets. And I'm like, yeah, what? we killed all the enemies. Unless they're jumping out of nowhere and attacking me, I don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? And finally, I was like, oh, there's this giant storm behind us that's constantly following us. So we have to keep moving. So once we figured that out, we were just like, eh, we're just going to run by some of these guys. Well, eventually, we make it to this platform, uh, and we are confronted by the the moon necromorph. Which definitely feels like the end boss, or yes. an end Yes, that is definitely a final boss. So, um, it has the platform with the codex on it, and it puts it inside of its stomach or mouth, stomach, throat thing. And we have to fight this thing off. It just so happens this platform we're standing on has a supercharge for kinesis, which allows us to grab literal markers, the markers that are all over this place. We can grab the markers, and we can shoot them at the eyeballs of this monster. It's far too big for bullets and even rockets to be doing much damage, but full markers launched at high speed will do the trick. There you go. So uh, we have to basically go through cycles. He'll send out enemies that attack us, and then we throw a marker into one of his eyes. I think it has four eyes altogether. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, then there's tentacles interspersed throughout. That's right. Tentacles grab a hole. We have to shoot the tentacles. Um, but after taking this thing down, uh, we make it, uh, we pull, we basically pull the, um, the platform that has the codex on it through its gullet <laughs> and then slam it into the platform that we are standing on. We move over to it. And Isaac, what does Isaac do here? Just disables the codex? Yeah, I, I kind of got the sense that he like, set it to self-destruct. Okay. Right, because I think it, it, unless he just turned it off so that the moon was no longer activated. But again, I thought that was tied to the planet being frozen and not, not frozen, but... There must be something else. It must just be that... Oh, I, I guess I, I don't have any... I, I don't understand how the Codex itself being on or off, or the machine being on or off, would be tied to 
the necromorph moon being active or inactive. So I, I assume that he did something like setting it to self-destruct so that it blows up so that the necromorph moon dies and then it crashes into the planet. That's okay. what I think happened. All right. So both Carver and Isaac have a little moment of like, let's do this. We're both going to die, but this is for Earth. So they activate it, and Carver first is pulled out into the storm, and then Isaac is. As Isaac is floating there in the storm, he pulls out his picture of Ellie, and then flies off. Then we cut to Ellie, now on a shuttle orbiting the planet. She sees everything from a distance. She comes over the intercoms one last time asking for Isaac. And she sees that the marker signal has been deactivated. And she's like, you've, you've done it. You've, you've really done it. You love me. You really love me. She pulled a Sally Field on us. But, um, yeah. That's, um, that's in the game. Ellie goes back to Earth space. We see her shoot off, and we see the planet in the distance. Roll credits. Going through all of the credits, we get a black screen. And we hear Isaac over an intercom saying, Ellie? Calling out to her. Why'd you leave? I mean, I told you to leave, but why'd you leave? Yeah, and that's it. That's the end of the game. No idea what happens to Carver. No idea what happens to Isaac. As far as I know, he is out there just floating in space. Or the rest of the necromorphs throughout the galaxy yeah. or the, the signal in the home world is there an actual marker home world I, I, I'm just that, that's where I'm left with kind of a lot of questions what does this game mean in the context of the dead space lore it doesn't feel very wrapped up no this was I think obviously left open for a sequel. And it's a sequel that we will never get. Visceral Games is no more. And a lot of the people that worked on Dead Space 3. Are now working on a new game. Which is a space themed horror game. That is not called Dead Space. Do you think there's any chance that there's a tie to Dead Space? I highly doubt it. Yeah, so I, I guess I'm left with some mixed feelings on this one. I, for all intents and purposes, I don't think I like this game. For for me, I think you said it best when you said that it's less than the sum of its parts. Yeah. 
Because most things, I technically, I think this game does well. Yes. It looks good. It plays well. The weapons are fun. You know, the the, the progression makes enough sense throughout it. Like it, it, you you have a sense of getting more and more badass throughout the game. So yes. There's a there's a lot of parts to this. The fights are good. The fights are are tense. Uh, you see a lot of different variety of spaces. You travel through space. You're on the planet. Like. It has a, it has an epic end boss fight. I mean, it, it does all the things that I that I want at a minimum out of a game. Sure. The setting, you know, everything about it works except for when you put it all together. Yeah. Well, I said it before the recording, but I feel like this is a good game. With a really bad story. Yeah, or a good offshoot to the Dead Space main lines. Yes. This should have starred Carver and been a side story of some sort. This feels like a side story. Yeah, and, and, and it does feel like Carver's story. Yeah. You know, especially with the tie-ins because the whole, you know, the whole Dead Space liberation is about Carver, really. But the problem I see is that Dead Space 1 and 2 had relatively decent stories. They had the lore, they had the world. Dead Space 3 takes all of that and kind of squanders it. Yeah, because they do expand it out. Like from 1 to 2 to 3, you get this expansion of scope of the necromorphs throughout throughout the galaxy like there are lots of places that that these things are, you know you hear stories in this game about you know about other settlements and other outbreaks and in liberation they're talking you know you're you're in the midst of an outbreak but it it's clear that you know when you're talking about the master signal behind the the marker signals so you do get this expansion that works well from a conceptual nature i think but they don't they really don't tie it in. I mean, as much as I love the fact that, that these games do a lot of their cutscenes with in-game engine, I, I wish they would have done some scene settings maybe with actual cutscenes to let me know what's happening, to show me other parts of the universe, and to, to show me why what I'm doing matters. Yeah. Or to recap Liberation, right? There's so many ways they could have put more grounding and context in this game like some of the most important parts of this story are just relayed through text logs yeah that especially in multiplayer it's hard to even pay 100 percent attention to you're not gonna There's nothing visual that. yeah like i i feel like if you if you could have had even just let's say four or five good cutscenes in this game to really set the tone it would have done a lot to provide the context for all of our actions and the in the meaning for all of our actions. Yeah. I, I feel like you can't say that Visceral doesn't care about the franchise because, well, they not only have two fantastic video games about it, they have a comic book series, they have a, multiple movies. I'm just like, you've got all of this stuff here. Why, uh, quote-unquote, end it? I'm sure they weren't planning on ending it here, but 
why why even go this route I just like you took a great horror series you took a survival horror series and you turned it into a co-op action game now not to say that that's not a bad co-op action game but it's the same way I said about Metal Gear Solid 5 Metal Gear Solid 5 is a great game but it is a horrible Metal Gear game. Yep. Dead Space 3. Good game. Bad Dead Space game. And it it's weird because if they... I, I don't even feel like there's enough here. Because a lot of times, you know, when there's a series, books, movies, games, whatever, and there's a down iteration... I I tend to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I say if the next one is good, and this was setting the stage for that, then you know I I, I retract every negative statement I had about it. That's how I feel about a lot of the Game of Thrones books, for example, the second one in particular. Right? It's maybe not as good as one and three, but it's there to set up three, and you know, and, and you're building character, you're building background, and so in the context of the flow of the whole series. It doesn't. I don't call. I don't consider it a negative if that game is if that book is less memorable than than some of the other ones. But w- without a four, I guess we'd never know. And even if there was a four, there's not enough in this game to set up four to where there would be a tight enough linkage to where this game could be redeemed through the expansion of mythology that would come in a subsequent game. The 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 problem I, if if visceral didn't go the way it did. The only the, the problem I would see is that Dead Space Four would also be a co-op game. It would be expected. It would have taken the Resident Evil route. Yeah. Um. But hang on, I got sneeze. I'm not even sure that I would have a problem with that though. If the story had been better here, I mean, it, it it's a clear step away from the horror that the that the the game's based on I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that although Resident Evil did that exact thing and did it well and I still kind of held it against them so I but man I'm I, I'm going to make a bold statement here Resident Evil 1 2 and 3 and Code Veronica are are probably the best Resident Evils out there Everybody claims Resident Evil 4 is one of the best games ever made. I don't care. I think it's a great game. It is. But it's Fantastic. not a Resident Evil game. You've, you've, you've took survival horror. Survival horror took a turn. And it started with Resident Evil 4. And it just kept going. <laughs> but if you notice, look at Capcom now. Remaking 2, remaking 3, Resident Evil 7, the new resurgence of survival horror. Resident Evil 7 is a survival horror game. It's not an action game. Yep. And it looks like Resident Evil 8 is also going to be that, that basically the route of Resident Evil 7. Yeah, thematically similar, certainly. Yeah. Probably more than just that. And people want that. People want that again. Like, sure. At the time, Resident Evil 4, groundbreaking. People loved it, and I think it has its place in time. But 
the the fans were clamoring for a new style of Resident Evil, which meant going back to the old style. <laughs> and it holds up. Resident Evil 2 Remake, legit. Yeah. One of the best games I've played last generation. If not the best game I played last generation. I don't think it beats out Witcher 3, but God bless it, man. I mean, yeah, this, it, they, they had it there. That was what was so refreshing about Dead Space was that when it released, it was in the yeah. midst of Resident Evil 5. And I'm just like, this is survival. Exactly. This is survival horror. This is what I want. I want to be scared. I don't want to feel frantic. You know what I mean? Never once yeah, in this game was I scared. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it never really attempts scary. I mean, some of the settings, again, in the music, are evocative of, of horror, but none of, like the gameplay doesn't jive with that in a way that makes it a horror game. Yeah. Clearly by design. I mean, just looking at the arsenal of Dead Space 3 compared to Dead Space 1 and 2. Sure, you'll get explosives and stuff like that, but Dead Space 1 and 2 was way more tactical. You had to cut off the limbs. That was the only way to kill these suckers. Yeah. You didn't get these powerful guns that you just unload on guys until they die. Like this, I didn't sever anything in Dead Space 3. Who cares? I have a shotgun with infinite ammo. See, that's interesting because I actually did do that a lot because I used the line gun throughout the, the whole game. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time severing limbs. I did that too with a shotgun. Just shoot them at their legs <laughs> and, oh, now they're on the ground. Yeah. It, like, it, it, there was no sense of I'm screwed here. You know what yeah. I mean? And then if I, if I don't sever things in an appropriate way, I will run out of ammo. Yeah. And not be able to make it through. Yeah. That's, that's I, do, I don't need to play smart. I had, so ammo stacks, what, 20 times? Yeah. So you can have 20 shots in a single stack. I had 24 stacks of ammo throughout this entire game. So 20 times 24. That's how many shots I had. There is no sense of survival here. I don't know. I, I I said it whenever the credits were rolling, and I'll say it here. I don't know if I like this game. Yeah, and it's an interesting comparison to Resident Evil because they had the ability to, you could call it course correct if you want, but you know now there's essentially three different styles of Resident Evil games, at least if you don't count, you know, some of the mobile games and other things. But even just the mainline games, you know, you've got your Resident Evil one, two, three style, your four, five, six style. And then your seven and eight style. I mean, seven. D Dead Space. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that if had this been an offshoot, and they said, "All right, for this game, we're going to call it Carver's Story. We're going to make it co-op. We're going to make it balls to the wall action." And then the actual three had come out, and it was more like regular Dead Space. I would be perfectly fine with both. I mean, I like the Dead Space universe enough. To want to play both games, both styles, even. Uh, 
you can even but, go compare it to the compare it to movies, man. Perfect example. And it's the reason why I prefer the first over any others. Alien. Yeah. Alien one is a fantastic horror movie. Aliens is an action movie. And I prefer the original. It's the same way with the Terminator. Yep. And those are two franchises. I can't pick my favorite child. I oh, mean, I, they, I love all four of those movies unconditionally, but for different reasons. I can, I can easily, everybody, everybody, every, you ask anybody, what's your favorite Terminator movie? Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Not me. See, I would say two is better movie, but I like one more. God, and one I, is so I can watch, freaking good. I can watch Terminator 1 over and over. Week after week, I could watch that movie every week and not get sick of it. Terminator 2, I would set myself up for. I probably couldn't watch it more than once a year, but I sit down and I love every second of it when I do watch it. But it, it's it's a little more drawn out. It's a little bit more bombastic. I love the tension of the first first Terminator movie. And it, the first I don't know. Term- I, think I, I still say it to this day. The first Terminator movie is a horror movie. Yeah, it's kind of like a slasher. It's it is, it is. He is Michael Myers. Stop coming. <laughs> he will never so stop. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't eat. He doesn't sleep. He will never stop. <laughs> yeah. So, it's also it's also Mike Be- Michael Bean star star vehicle. So I. I love it for that reason as well. So, I mean, there you go. I think uh, I think those are good comparisons too. I I, I don't know. De- Death Space Three kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, even though it's a good game. Yeah, well, it's interesting because Resident Evil Four, Terminator Two, Aliens, those are all action-heavy sequels, but that are like un- that are just super well regarded, super well done, and you can't fault them for the quality of what's in them. Even if you, you know, prefer or don't prefer the style. I think the problem here with Dead Space Three is if that's what it was attempting, it just doesn't reach those heights of quality. No. And that's you know, I, I wouldn't have a problem with the style per se. Again, if if there were options and, and if the quality of it was a, a little bit better. And it's that weird nebulous like interpiece quality because the quality, like the, a lot of the game design is just fine. And I, I don't know, it's, it's just missing some of the, the bits that tie it together to really like... I don't, I, I don't know, I'm really torn on whether I like this game or not. Yeah. Well, we do have two emails. Um, both of which uh, come from two people who played together throughout this entire game. Oh, that's awesome. So we're getting we're getting both sides of the story. I wonder who played as Carver. I can't remember, but anyway. <clears throat> First email comes in from Dustin. It's titled I'm the Marker Killer. <laughs> Alright. Says uh, can someone tell Chad to quit dying? I'm sick of reviving him. Said, so, just kidding. I was the one always dying. Haha. <laughs> Looks like we missed one co-op mission and one side mission. Else we would, uh, we did everything this game has to offer besides the DLC. I wonder if it's worth playing. I can't really tell you what happened. 
the series went from great survival horror with interesting lore to a generic third-person shooter that doesn't add much to the story besides some moon that talks to other moons that control the markers or some shit. I don't know. Uh, no wonder this game never got a sequel. <laughs> uh, see here. Uh, the best part of the game was exclusive to playing as Carver on co-op during his hallucinations. I'm glad I played it since it's been in my backlog forever, but I'm also glad I played it in co-op so me and Chad could BS. Playing on hard wasn't that bad, and I'm not even mad you guys did it on normal. You didn't miss out on much, and the gun build Drew did sounds wicked awesome. <laughs> yep. Uh, the hardest part of the whole game was early on when we encountered our first hunter and emptied our, out most of our ammo on him before realizing we can't kill it. The following encounter where you need to wait for the tram was tough since we had no ammo and had a bunch of monsters spawning everywhere. Yeah. After to that, me, that that might have been the most one of the most iconic moments because that was the first kill room that really felt hard super well done and hard and challenging yeah but you know we got through it we had to like cover each other that was a really good co-op room I yeah think. absolutely let's see here uh after that it wasn't too bad a few deaths here and there but nothing rage inducing i'm excited for game 100 it's been a while since i've played through ocarina of time i'm really looking forward to matt's take on it i hope it's not overhyped in his head I went ahead and dropped $50 on Master Quest for GameCube since my one buddy wouldn't let me, wouldn't borrow it to me. Uh, it will be interesting to see how much harder it is. Also, I'm down for Yakuza 0 and Lost Odyssey, then Kiwami, and finally, nice. Final Fantasy VI, right boys? Anyways, happy holidays guys, Dustin. Thank you for that email. Our next email comes in from Chad, his co-op partner in Dead Space 3. He says, uh, howdy guys, Dustin and I wrapped up Dead Space last night. Honestly, there isn't much else to say that hasn't already been said. It's a competent co-op action shooter, but it doesn't really add anything to the series as far as characters, story, or lore. It's actually kind of sad to see for the series to end on a bit of a whimper in comparison to its predecessors. However... I did have fun with it, and I guess that is what really matters. It's pretty obvious with the after credit scene that they were planning on having another entry, but that all fell apart with the studio. To quote Ellie at the end, You did it, Isaac. You really did it. Whatever he actually did is kind of beyond me. I guess he killed the alien moon? To that point, they made it very clear that there were brother moons, plural, which mm -hmm. means that... That was not the only one. So I guess by turning off the machine with the codex, they actually awakened several moons, or maybe they too were being suspended by similar machines. I'm assuming that uh, would have been the basis for the next game. It would have been interesting to see the next game be kind of an open world style and interplanetary travel, Mass Effect style. Yep. This series is so incredibly primed for a reboot and maybe that's what we'll get with the Castillo Protocol, which is the other game. I think that's how you pronounce it. Callisto Protocol? I don't know. Castillo? Castillo. Usually uh, two L's in uh, Spanish is pronounced differently. Uh, one more thing. 
I was not too keen on the weapon crafting system at first, but it slowly became one of my favorite elements of the game. I heard your all's description and thought I would share what I ended up with, uh, ended up using through most of the game. My primary weapon was a line gun and a force gun combo. I attached the Voltaric, Voltaic, Voltaic, excuse me, Voltaic electric tip, which would use arc damage to nearby enemies. The line gun was slow shooting, but I kept upgrading it uh, to increase its rate of fire. Mm-hmm. I would use the force gun, which arced to all enemies in front of me and knocked them to the ground. I would then have one or two, one to three powerful shots from my line gun before they could stand back up. If the several first several shots didn't kill them, I would just knock them to the ground again with my force gun. Rinse and repeat. As for my secondary gun, I used a standard pulse rifle with grenade launcher, Call of Duty style. It wasn't very effective at first, but then I attached the acid bath tip, which made the gun very powerful, especially for boss battles. I believe Dustin primarily used a saw blade and flamethrower combo, which complemented my loadout pretty well. I would knock them to the ground, and he would cut them up and burn the hell out of them. Anyway, that is another one in the books. I'm really looking forward to the lineup next year. Happy holidays to you guys, and let's look forward to an awesome 2021. Till next time, Chad. Thank That's you. awesome. Thank you both for that email, and thank you so much for playing along with us. I'm glad, glad we had some people playing along with us for this one. And... um we weren't alone in it and it seemed like they both filled kind of the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am glad we played through it together because I, I would have been left wanting more and without the co-op upside. Right. So I am really glad that we finally got a chance to, to do this. Yeah, me too. Me too. And while I don't think it's a, it's the, a great dead space game, I think it's still a fun game, especially with somebody else. Yeah, and those would be two of my top games. If if somebody said, "Hey, what you know, I, I want to play with a buddy, what should we play?" You know, I would say this and Resident Evil Five are, are really good examples. If you just want to, you know, go back to back and just be blasting blasting enemies. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think um, you know, if you don't care about story, which <laughs> this one doesn't have much, um, you can um, you know. You can easily play Dead Space 3 without knowing anything about the previous games. I mean, yeah, sure, you don't know who yep. Ellie is, but big whoop. But, uh, yeah. I Final thoughts for me. I think it's a decent game. It's a bad Dead Space game. Had fun with it. Crafting system was kind of cool. The action, the moment-to-moment gameplay was really cool. Yep. That's that's. And it feels good, and the weapons are nice and different from each other. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of things to like about this game from a technical perspective and from a gameplay and moment-to-moment perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, how about you? You feel the same way, pretty much? Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, I, You know, I, I wanted more out of it. I guess I'm happy enough with what we got. I, I agree that it's kind of sad to see the series go out on a whimper. Um... Just because, you know, I this won't detract from the memories I had of the first two. You know, it's it, it doesn't add anything, but, you know, the first two games are great, and this is just a, a little bit more time to spend in that universe. So I guess I'm, I'm glad it exists, but I just wish it had been a little better. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it for Dead Space 3. Um, 
the next game, uh, which is going to be a doozy. It is game 100, which is going to be The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Uh, Matt, I know you said that you're going to play the first couple of hours on the N64. you still going to do that? Uh, yeah, I'm planning to. I have started it up. Uh, everything works, so I'll, I'll spend a little time with it this weekend before restarting it on the 3DS to play through the full the full playthrough. And I will also be playing the 3DS version of this game. Uh, Dustin, I know, is playing along with us. If anybody else out there is listening and is wanting to play The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time with us, please let us know, and please send us emails. The email is drew at ztgd.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. I am at Drew Leachman, and Matt is at REMGS. The podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Um, we're going to... Uh, I'm I'm probably going to... We're, we're, I'm going to take a week off. Because um, there's a few things i got to... You know, it's going to be busy. You know, Christmas is coming up. New Year's is coming up. Work is insane right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I will start Ocarina of Time, and I would say not next week, but the week after next, we start our first episode. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, as far as how far we should get, that's a good question, and I'm not entirely sure. I will. I'll say this: anybody out there who is playing along with us and wants to. You know, stay up with us. Um, keep an eye out on our Twitter. I know I don't tweet as much as I should on the Phoenix Down Twitter, but I will keep everybody updated on like how far we're going to make it for the next episode and that that kind of thing. Uh, I want to look at a fact first because it's been a very very long time since I've played Docker in Time. I know the first dungeon is the Great Deku Tree, but I feel like that's only three hours into that game, and this game is long. So I would assume we probably make it farther than that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Then again, I may be completely remembering this wrong. <laughs> and and we can easily get through the Great Deku Tree in an hour. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely let you guys know. Just keep an eye out on ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, Twitter, and I'll let you guys know how far we, we're going to try and make it to. But that's it. Game 99 in the books. Dead Space 3, Nightmare Before Christmas. Legit before Christmas, because this is the 23rd. This this episode will probably... Ken may release it tomorrow, I'm not sure. Um, hmm. But it, it may go live Christmas Day. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us. I hope everybody out there has a great Christmas, great holiday, whatever you celebrate. Just stay safe, please. Um, this, uh, this virus is, it's going nuts. And, uh, I know people want to get together for, for the holidays and stuff like that. And just be as cautious as humanly possible. And just, uh, you guys have a great, great holiday, great week. And, uh, We'll be back, uh, I, I would assume, in two weeks. Um, Bigger and better in the new year. Yeah, 2021. Ready for it. So ready for it. <laughs> Indeed. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. 
Say goodbye to 2020. Say hello to 2021. We'll be back uh, next year. <laughs> Made that joke. <laughs> uh, with uh, Game 100, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm.